Hey, what's going on? Jason Rogers here. And in this next video in the series, I'm really documenting how I'm using QLA to start a business, Quantum Leap Advantage. And I wanna talk about how I've been able to recruit top accounting firms to work with me and my investment group on a success fee basis. So in this video, we're really gonna break down how to do that, how I've been able to do it quite effectively and how you can do the same. So let's dive right in. First of all, it all starts, just like we talked about when we, we talked about recruiting the board of directors, it all starts with having a big old list of accounting firms that you can call on or reach out to. And that's really where it starts, right? Where are the leads? Where's your individuals you're going to be talking to? Where are these different accounting firms in your local area? What I did is very simply put, I first Googled, I, I typed in Google, the top 100, 100 accounting firms. And I found on a website, you know, the top 100 accounting firms in the world right? Or no, excuse me, the top 100 accounting firms in the United States is I'm in America, right? So I took that list. And then what I did one by one is I found every single branch for each of the top 100 accounting firms that was in my local area. And I put it on a spreadsheet or on a document. So what I essentially had is Deloitte, the LA office, the Culver City office, the Orange County office, the San Diego office. Next, KPMG, the Orange County office, the LA office, the you know West LA office, the San Diego office. Next, you know uh, PW or uh, PwC, right? Price Waterhouse Coopers, another top accounting firm. You know the LA office, the Culver City office, the East LA office, the San Diego office, what have you? And I went down the Grant Thornton, all the different offices for Grant Thornton, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I essentially did then is created a list of about probably 200 branches, 200 to 300 branches of all the best accounting firms, you know, in my, in my area, right? So I have all the Deloitte offices. I have all the KPMG offices all the way down from the biggest of the top four, right? The Deloitte, the KPMGs, the, the PWCs, all of them, right? And then to the national firms that are kind of that second tier and then all the way down to the regional firms, right? So I have a list now, or, or I built this list about two weeks ago, but I have a list, right? Of about 150 to 250 top accounting branches, right? I may have five branches under one firm, right? Again, the LA office, the Orange County office, the San Diego office, that's all under the Deloitte hub or the KPMG hub. But you know, you have, you have these multiple branches and then I, you, you reach out to them. But what I did is I started by reaching out and I believe Dan Pena recommended this. Dan Pena is the individual that created the QLA methodology. What I did is I reached out to the regional firms first. So I started with the number 100 ranked firm and reached out to their offices and then went up to the 99th firm and the 98th firm or, you know, they skipped some because some of the offices weren't in Orange County or Los Angeles, Southern California, where I'm from. But the point is, is I worked backwards. I worked from the regional firms to the bigger, to the medium sized national firms, to the big national firms, to the top four, the big four. And essentially what I did, first of all, you have to put together your executive summary or you should put together your executive summary as well as a company profile almost like a mission statement. And so what I did first of all is, is right, because I've built my board now, there's nine individuals behind myself, a total of 10 of us that are moving forward with our investment group. What I did is first of all, I took their resumes off LinkedIn and I essentially copied and pasted, copied and pasted them with their permission. Of course, I asked for their permission and they all said yes. And I explained, hey, look, you know, I want to, you know, portray when I reached out to the board members, I said, Hey, look, I want to portray your information as accurately as humanly possible. As we go and, you know, recruit accounting firms on a success fee basis, I want to make sure that they're aware of the full team we have 
at our disposal, which of course gives us so much confidence that we're going to be successful. So I'm asking for your permission to simply um, get any information that you should share with me as it relates to your resume, your transactional experience, how many deals you've done, you know, industry specific experience as it relates to our unique industry. We're in real estate. And so what I did is I, a lot of them sent me their press, their, their list of transactions, the, the amount of deals they've done, the deal sizes. Some of them sent me over their resumes. Others simply just said, hey, you know, you, you can see it on LinkedIn or, you know, one or two individuals on the board sent me to their, their company profile where they have, you know, the company writes the nice bio about them. But case in point, you put together your executive summary. And what you also want to put together, and you're, you're putting together, by the way, your executive summary and you're putting together your company profile because that's really the marketing that you're using to lure these accounting firms into your web, right? That's what you're doing to get them interested in, in working with you. And then from there, it's easier to persuade them uh, to work with you on a success fee basis, which by the, mean, by the way means you're not paying them until you do your first deal. You're going to slide the transaction fees for their accounting work into the first deal. So it basically means, you know, they're, they're, they have to believe in you. That's where the, the persuasion comes in. But anyways, and what this allows you to do is start a business without putting up your own money up front, which wise business people tend to do. Now, anyways, back to really recruiting these accounting firms. You put together your executive summary, you put together your company profile, which for me, I, I, it was about 3,000 words for me. I went in depth, I explained the industry, our acquisition strategy, I talked about how we're gonna be, you know, our, our acquisition process from the due diligence to deal flow to, uh, you know, first getting the deals, due diligence once we look at different deals and then selecting the right deals. So I broke down basically our investment process and I really went in depth about everything as it relates to the other competitors, why we're zoning in on specific regions, right? The more in-depth you can be, remember, these are accountants. Like, they are paid to read boring shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, working professionals, we're talking about accountants, and next we'll be talking about lawyers. These are individuals that are used to reading 300-page documents, right? They're used to reading the small print. So you can give them a lot of information, and I believe one of the reasons I have been successful so far, and I'll talk about my uh, results so far as, in, in so far as where I'm at, but... One of the reasons I've been able to get the interest of national accounting firms in one week to work with me on a success fee basis, which I have, has, I think, been because the executive summary I put together is strong. You know, I, I do have a background in copywriting. That helps. Copywriting is basically the art of making your words sound persuasive. But also, I took the fucking time to be really, really detailed with this is the industry. This is the opportunity. This is where the other big players in the industry are. That's why we're going to attack here. When we do find opportunities, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to bring this, you know, you know, I, I really outline the plan in detail. And I think that's really given a lot of these accounting firms I'm talking to more confidence. What I'm really saying is go the extra mile to make your company profile, or as Dan Pena in the templates, they call it more of a, a, a mission statement. But, you know, a mission statement is usually Wonder Bread, where we give you the best bread that sticks on the top of your mouth for sandwiches. Like, that's usually a mission statement. So one of the guys on the board said, you know what, you're really writing, Jason, with 3,000 words. That's a lot more than a mission statement. So I've rephrased it, a company profile. That's worked well for me. You do with it what you like. But anyways, you put together your executive summary. You put together your company profile or your mission statement. And in combination, that should be a really powerful and persuasive one-two punch that you can send to the accounting firm. So what I did is I would ring, 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 you know, hey, uh, whatever accounting firm, you know, Dick and Joe's accounting. Now, of course, you're not literally reaching out to Dick and Joe's accounting. You want to reach to a top firm, right? But ring, 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 Dick and Joe's accounting in, in the secretary answers. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, excuse me. Maybe you can give me a hand. And she'll say, yeah, what is it? You say, 
My name is Jason Rogers. In this case, my name is Jason Rogers. I'm the principal and founder of Brighter Living. We're an investment group that's consolidating the mobile home park space. And what that means is we need to be dealing with an accounting firm, a top accounting firm that can help us with all of our real estate needs. That's gonna include tax, eventually perhaps audit work. It's certainly gonna involve due diligence work. And by the way, I learned this the hard way. They can't do your audits and your due diligence. It's a conflict of interest. So that's a little thing you can note and actually sound a lot more legit when you call them, right? So know that, right? So I know you wouldn't be able to do our audits if you did our due diligence, but you know we are looking to build a long-term relationship with a top accounting firm as we really have huge ambitions and see a huge opportunity for our future, I would like to get in contact with either a partner or somebody in the new business department of your firm, ideally with a specialization in real estate, right, in the mobile home park space in my instance, to discuss this at greater length. Is there somebody available right now? What they'll say is either, here, let me check, or they may say, ah, Mr. Dingleberg is on break, or Mr. Dingleberg is you know screwing a secretary, but he'll be back soon, right? Let me transfer you over to his voicemail. Okay, great, ring, 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 goes to voicemail. Mr. Dingleberg, hi, my name is Jason Rogers. I'm the founder of Brighter Living. And what you do, by the way, you write your own little script. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm doing these calls, I'm literally reading a script. When I'm leaving these voicemails, I'm literally leaving a script. I'm saying we're, we're consolidating the high, the highly fragmented, high margin mobile home park industry. We have a team of nine other individuals behind myself. Together, we're now recruiting a top accounting firm to help us go forward as we anticipate a lot of growth in 2019 and beyond. I wanted to see if this was something that interests you and if your firm has the capacity to meet our needs, right? So what they'll do usually is they'll call you back. I got about a dozen calls using this within about a three-day span from different partners mostly partners. A couple of them were, you know, one under the partner. The partner is like the, the decision maker, right, in, a, in an accounting firm. So they call you back and look, you have to be able to sell. You have to be able to explain your vision and your, and your business. And you got to be able to bring that to the, to the table. You know, I'm going to be really candid. I'm good at sales. I'm good at using my fucking mouth. If you're not, you're going to want to have scripts and information and practice. You know, for me, I do practice, but also I'm good on the phone, kind of thinking on the fly. You'll get better as you keep practicing. That's the thing. Between between recruiting your board and now recruiting your accounting firm, you're going to be pretty good at talking about your business, why it's why it's exciting, what you see as an opportunity, what you're doing, the reasons why you're doing it. You know, some of the, you're going to know the frequently asked questions people ask, you know, where's the money? Um, why are you doing this versus that? You know, the, there's certain questions people are going to ask about your business. You better know the answer to those questions. And the more calls you make, the more you're going to hear the same questions over and over again, which means have an answer to that question. So anyways, you talk to these different partners. Uh, naturally, some of them are really excited. Some of them are a little bit more, you know, standoffish. Generally, if you're good at explaining your, uh, your business and you're excited and you're passionate and you're certain, you know, for me, I'm certain about what we're doing. This will succeed. You're either on our train or with due respect, you're not and make your decision, but we will be going forward. We will be conquering, you know, the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to join our team. You don't have to be in the military, but the individuals that are in our squad will be conquering. You know what I'm saying? So it's that attitude. At least that's worked for me really well. But what happens is you get that initial dialogue with the partner and that's a big conversation. In the same way I talked about for, you know, recruiting the board. If you recall, you went back to the first video in the series when I talked about other than the, the QLA castle review, when you, when you go back to the initial video in the series, what I said in that first video, when I was talking to board members was, Hey, look, that first call is super important. 
when you ring, ring, ring to Mr. Chairman Candidate, hey, Mr. Chairman Candidate, you know, Bob Doofus, nice to meet you, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. What you say on that call is important, right? Because if you get them interested on that first call, everything is downhill from there. And it's the same thing with the accounting firms. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all about that first impression. So what I can tell you though, is when you call on a hundred firms, you can fuck up a lot and still win. You know, and in full candor, there have been a couple of times where I made a couple of uh, mistakes wherein basically, dude, I don't know shit about accounting. I took one-on-one accounting in, in community college and, uh, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm no accounting genius. Again, just like with the board members, I'm really candid. I say, hey, look, I'm not the technical brains of this outfit. We have accountants on, on the board. If you want to name drop and say, you know, for me, I can say we have an ENY accountant as well as a Deloitte, you know, former Deloitte auditor. Basically, those are two of the big four accounting firms. So it almost in a sense is, is flexing your juice of saying, hey, look, we have top, top individuals on the team. I'm not, a, I'm not an accountant. You know, I'm not an accountant, but we do have top accountants on the team. And so they're going to be helping us making the decision making process as we move forward. But at this point, I simply wanted to outline some of the questions we would have. And this is really important now. You need to be able to share the things that you're, you're interviewing for. If you don't ask them questions, they take you as a schmuck. This has been my realization. And I was fucking this up in the first day or two. This is one of the reasons I lost some of the interest of actually like smaller regional accounting firms. Remember, I started with the regional accounting firms, went to the national firms, and then finally, you know, only a couple days ago now, started calling on Deloitte and, and KPMG and, and et cetera, right? But when you reach out to these accounting firms, one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give you is ask them questions. Say, hey, would you be able to put a team that has experience in my unique niche, right? how many individuals would be under the engagement partner? The engagement partner is kind of the head honcho in the accounting firm that's helping you, right? How many individuals would be under the engagement partner, right? What would your team look like as it relates to our tax needs versus our due diligence needs? Is it the same engagement partner? Is it a different engagement partner, right? Do you have a national reach? Is your accounting firm national? You know, for me, we're consolidating in multiple different states. You know, we're likely going to be in the Midwest, in the middle of America, you know, all over the place. And so I asked these firms, do you have a national presence and will you be able to help our firm nationally? We're not just consolidating here in California. In fact, we're not even going to start in California. So I'm asking them, hey, look, do you have the ability to go national? Because again, we're a big account, right? So you need to have different questions that put them not on their back feet, but I mean, yeah, you do in a sense. And, and actually, I disagree with my older self. Uh, you should be putting them on the back feet, on their back feet a little bit. You should have tough questions. You should have, should have good questions. Do you have experience working with emerging growth companies in our unique niche? Which is, you know, corporate talk for basically, do you work with smaller companies that are looking to grow fast that specifically consolidate mobile home parks, in my case, or whatever in your case, right? But you want to find those tougher questions. And when you have your board, reach out to your accountants. And, and what I did is I said, hey, look, you know, ring, ring, ring to my Mr. Accountant board member. And I have two, right? Two accountants or two individuals with accounting backgrounds, you know, and I, I, I email them or you could ring them up. I actually emailed them and I talked to them, talked to one of them in person as well. And it was, hey, look, what questions should I be asking of these accounting firms? And dude, they gave me a list of 25 questions they would ask accounting firms. You know what I'm saying? So now I have a list of 25 questions and I didn't get this from Dan. I, I just asked, that's the thing, your board is, is, you know, what I'm realizing about QLA is as much as Dan Pena is a genius about giving you the, the master strokes of QLA, your board for the, the nuanced questions, use your board. Don't ask Dan. Don't ask Dan in your weekly reports. I learned that week two or three where he called me 
he called me a smart ass and this and that on the weekly reports because you have on the weekly reports to talk about QLA for a minute if you go through the castle. You, you ask him questions each week, but if you ask him 5,000 feet off the ground questions, aka granular questions, he usually just, he's not, that's not his game. Like Dan Pena is a macro thinker. He's a big fucking thinker. You know what I'm saying? So save your questions for the 50,000 feet up type. That's what you ask Dan, right? Ask Dan the, the big questions, the deal-making questions when you get to that point. For the smaller questions, like, hey, what, what unique uh, questions should I ask the accounting firm? Ask those to your accountants, you know, on your, on your board. And, and they told me exactly what to ask these firms. So that gave me a lot of leverage. Anyways, ring, ring, ring. I'm, I'm talking to all these, you know, different secretaries. I'm going through my list from the regional firms, to the national firms, all the way up to the, to the big four. I'm getting better at explaining our accounting needs. At this point, my pitch as far as our business is tight. You know, I'm almost waiting for them to ask, where's the money, aka where's your funding? Because when they ask me that, that's when I know I've got them in my hand because I have that question down to a, to a T. You know what I'm saying? So you need to be able to know, have great answers to the tough questions. Have great answers to the tough questions, which if, if you're a startup, if you're doing the QLA model, one of the toughest questions is going to be, where's the fucking money? Like, where's your capital? That's what they all want to know. So when they ask that, man, you have to have a good question. All right. You, excuse me. You have to have a good answer and work on that. You can practice that. I've, I've learned that that's the one question you can tell people ask when they're getting really serious, but they're really like, oh shit. Like that's, they're almost like, what's he going to say about this? You know what I'm saying? So when you knock that particular question, where's your capital going to come from out of the park? That's really, it's an opportunity to shine. You know, what you would perceive as the toughest question, where's the fucking money going to come from, can be your biggest opportunity. It's like Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, right? The obstacle, a la, where's the money going to come from, that's the way. You face that question head on and say, thank you for asking. Let me tell you what we're going to be doing. And then you, you let them know, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to talk to commercial banks, we're thinking about seller finance, we're thinking about, you know, we could have equity players, I've been talking to this PE firm, I've been talking to that bank, I have a list of 500 commercial banks in my local hometown, you know, I know that most of the retirement age sellers that we're going to be talking to like seller finance because of the tax breaks they're getting, insofar as they're not going to be losing their money on the sale price if they sold their business to myself into our investment group, and right, so it's, dude, we got a lot of ways we're going to get money. A whole bunch of ways. But right now, we're not focused on the money. We're focused on building a world-class team so that when we get capital, we deploy that capital intelligently. And I always tell them, I say, hey, look, how many, how many individuals do you know that got a couple of million bucks, maybe from inheritance, maybe they got it from a bank or an equity player, whomever, they were sitting on a couple million bucks and they got too excited and they ran out and bought real estate. In my case, I'm in the real estate world. So they ran out, they bought real estate and they didn't do their due diligence and they got burned. Right. How many times have you heard that story happen? And they all nod their head, yeah, it's happened a lot, because it has, right? And so you say, look, the money's not the issue. If the deal's good enough, we'll get the money, right? If the cash flow covers the debt service by twofold, you know what I'm saying? If it's a, if it's a great cash on cash play, we're going to get money for that. Somebody who's going to want to fund that. Somebody's going to want to be, be a piece of a good deal. The most important thing is being pragmatic with their decision-making process, which is why we're currently only focused on building a world-class team we now have nine individuals behind myself helping me in the decision-making process. Now we're speaking to top quality accountants to make sure that we are at an elite level in our accounting as well. We'll take care of the money, but at this stage, I'm not focused on it, right? That answer is money in the bank. I mean, at least in my world, it's worked perfect. So what I'm really getting at though is, look, so you're ring, ring, ringing, going back to the main idea. You're ring, ring, ringing all the secretaries. Yeah, I'd like to speak with a partner with experience in my industry, Right? I'd like to speak with somebody who knows about my industry. 
they're gonna call you back. You give them that little 101 of this is the business, this is why we're doing it, this is our team, this is why we're damned confident, this is what we're doing, this is what we need. Now, one of the big questions you're probably gonna have is when do you bring up the success fee basis? That's been the elephant in the room in this video, I would say, and let's talk about it. The whole, hey, we're not gonna pay it till we do our first deal. When do you bring that up? And you know what I can tell you is that, one, you can just say it whenever the hell you want, and you can die on your own sword, as I talk about, and I've talked about in a prior video, right? Meaning when you die on your own sword, it's not a rejection if they say, no, thank you, we don't wanna work with you on a success fee basis, if you know that you're being direct and honest and upfront, right? So there's nothing wrong ever with just saying, hey, ring, ring, nice to meet you, yeah, hey, can you do this on a success fee basis? Because if not, I'm out. Like, you could do that, and I would say that's awesome. I didn't quite take that approach, but I've been pretty direct with these, these partners. I usually let them know on the first call, in fact, actually without failure, if I've spoken with a partner, you know, and this is the difference, I'm not telling secretaries that we wanna work with Big Shot on a success fee basis because it's not the secretary, that's not her business. You know, same thing if I'm talking to like a, a business development guy. With some of the bigger firms, you're gonna be speaking at first with a business development executive. Okay, fine. If I'm speaking with a business, or I, with Deloitte, I spoke with a tax manager. You know, you're not a partner. You're not, you wouldn't be the, and you can ask them, would you be the engagement partner if we potentially work together? If the answer is no, then we don't need to talk about money with you. Okay, this is why it's a big opportunity. Get me through to a partner that can help me with this. And you don't have to say it quite that bluntly and, and quite that almost confrontationally. I get fired up here. But that's the general principle, right? Is you talk about money with the individuals who should be talking about money with you. But when you get the partner on the phone, yeah, you let them know, hey, look, this is extremely exciting. This is what we're doing. We are gonna be making our decision on our accounting firm by, and I always let them know, certainly by the end of January. It's December 22nd at the time of shooting this, which means I have now been doing QLA for right, like 31 or 32 days. You know, So I share all this to say that when I started, I reached out immediately to the board members and I let them know, hey, look, if you recall, go back to the old videos. I gave them, I believe, uh, December 15th. Right? Yeah, December 15th. I said, hey, we're gonna have our board decided, done, in the bag by December 15th. That gave everybody a, a sense of finality to things where it's, hey, look, either I need to shit or get off the pot. That worked really well for getting the board. Now, I'm doing the same thing with accounting firms, letting them know, hey, look, we will be making our decision in January of 2019. Right? It's December 22nd. Everybody's about to go off and the business world dies for two weeks, unfortunately, so I can't close down my accounting firm before the new year. I'd like to close them down by January 10th, and I still think I can, but realistically, it is what it is. But I'm still giving them that date of saying, hey, look, we're gonna be making this decision in January of 2019. We'd love to continue this discussion in the new year, but you know what I've been really doing to get that initial interest in recruiting is one, I built a huge list, and then two, I'm talking to all the partners and letting them know, hey, look, this is what we're gonna need. This is what we're doing. This is why it's exciting. Ask me any questions you have, et cetera, and, uh, and you go forth. But really, I would say, to kind of wrap up the video now, have questions you can interview the accounting firms on. You know, are you national? Do you have a team that would be able to have ex, you know, direct experience helping us with this? Do you have experience doing tax work for our type of a company? Do you have experience doing due diligence work for our type of a company? You know, you need to have different questions and ask your accountants once you get them on the board, or at least your, your single accountant, what they would ask the accounting firms if they were you. And, and your accountant will, if he's, you know, and their accountants, like, sorry, but they probably will, right? They're gonna give you like a whole big list and be very thorough and diligent, especially if the dude's retired. You know, the retired guys I'm already seeing for the board uh, usually have a little bit more time to, to be a little bit more in-depth and thorough. So something to note as far as recruiting a board is I would say the retired guys 
have again a little bit more time to give you and they'll go a little bit more in depth than the guys that are currently working you know i have a couple of guys on the board that are currently working they're valuable as well but they're kind of guys that are going to give you like the main answer and say you know you're welcome so just for what it's worth but have those questions and i would say this video is really just about recruiting the accounting firms and you know at this point I have two national firms that I'm talking with who have already given me the confirmation that they're open to a success fee basis working with us. So really, if I needed to, I do believe I could pick up the phone right now and probably close one of those firms in the next 20 minutes and well, give it an hour. It's a Saturday, so it might be even tough today. But my point is, is if I really needed to get something done, I think at minimum I could get a soft verbal from an accounting firm uh, right now or I probably could have yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Yesterday is Friday. You know, now it's Saturday. It's like maybe they're golfing or whatever, but this isn't that hard. I guess that's what I'm really saying is, look, if your business is good, if your business makes sense, then companies are interested. And here's the one other thing too. And let me, I'll, I'll say this on the record. And I'm, this is what I'm saying to these firms. We intend to build a billion dollar a year revenue company, meaning we want to do a billion in revenue a year. That's our ambition. And I've laid out a, a plan, whether it's a business plan, like, you know, what the fuck's a business plan as a side note? You know, it's funny. You know, all these individuals say, well, that's not a business plan. And it's like, what the fuck is like, you know, it's funny. People have these, these kind of misnomers about business. It's funny that it doesn't matter. Look, it doesn't matter if you put your business plan in a business plan template that you got on Google. What matters is it makes fucking sense. Okay. If you speak rationality and logic with individuals that are business individuals, they will get it. So I don't have a business plan, but what I have is a laid out, this is the industry, this is the opportunity, this is what we're gonna attack, this is what we're gonna do, this is how we're gonna do it, this is how we're gonna rapidly expand, this is the team we have behind us to make sure it happens, this is the standard we're setting for ourselves, are you in or are you out, right? So I don't know if that's a business plan, but what it is is a fucking plan for success. So when you have that, su that success plan, right, you have that plan for success, you're gonna be able to recruit people on your team easily. I would just say find the right niche or the right industry to consolidate and like you don't have to here's the thing too make the decision fast Dan Pena taught me that like just figure out what industries are fragmented then go but then once you choose your industry think big you know I'm setting a billion dollar goal that's really helped me you know the fact is is the loss like let's say let's say everything that I did failed okay I never was able to pay the accounting firms the board never got their equity all of the like my worst nightmares let's just say they all came true okay the accounting firm might be out 50 grand, okay? They wouldn't like that, but like that's probably where they would be. Maybe out even 20 grand, you know what I'm saying? But what if what if this wins, and, and it will, like it's gonna win, but I'm just playing devil's advocate with myself. What if in, you know, when it wins, how much in billables will that mean for the accounting firm? Dude, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in billables, probably each year, if not even millions. You know, for an accounting firm to service a billion dollar company, do you know how much money that puts in the in the partner's pockets for their bonuses, in the accounting firm's revenue, top line, all of it. They love it, okay? They wanna do the tax work and the due diligence work for a huge company like that, especially the national accounting firms that aren't quite the big four. For the record, the big four is a bit, they're a bit more conservative than are the uh, national or the regional accounting firms. I've noticed that. So I would say that it's easier to lock down um, a firm that's in that second tier on a success fee basis than it is the big four. At this point, I've not gotten a verbal confirmation in one week that a big four will work with us on a success fee basis. I'm beyond confident that if I really needed to have a big four work with us on a success fee basis, I mean, you just make out enough outbound calls. You talk to the partners in San Francisco and in Southern California, in Chicago, in New York, in Miami, and in Houston, wherever. Like, if I really needed 
to work with a Deloitte big four firm on a success fee basis, I'd, I'd make it happen. Most likely I'm going to go with a firm that's one tier below because in full candor, they're fucking accountants. It's not like, it's not like our accountants are going to make or break our business. We want top accountants, but you know, I really don't need the, Oh my God, it's the, it's the Ferrari of accountants. Like to me, I just don't give a shit in full candor. Right? So it is what it is. But what I'm getting at is one, the biggest firms, the big four are a little bit more conservative. So I'd wait till I talk to that partner before I really said shit about the success fee basis. But two, no matter who you're talking to, when your business makes sense, people buy in. It's the Dan Pena. You know, when decisions are clear or um, when choices are clear, decisions are easy. That's the phrase. When choices are clear, decisions are easy. And I've already had that belief before I ever met Dan, but that only further solidified that realization of, damn, if you just make it make a lot of sense and you say the upside is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue for you. And the downside is you lose 20 grand in due diligence, which we're not talking about developing a new app here. We're talking about buying a proven piece of an asset that you can see, touch, and feel. Like, we're not going to lose money on this. We'd have to be retarded to lose money on this. Now, I don't quite speak like this. I get fired up on these videos almost in a sense where, look, I don't have to be politically correct here. When you're talking to these accounting firms, I would be more politically correct, like a little bit more just like, you know, these are accountants. When you're going to speak with your lawyers, same kind of a thing. Like, you kind of have to... And moreover, like you have to put on a little bit of that hat. I'm just being real with you. But I'm just giving you my mentality behind it all because it, it does start with the mindset. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the foundation that you build a house on. The mindset, the mentality, the belief system, um, the, the right business, the right opportunity to consolidate. But what I'm really saying is, dude, have huge goals with your business plan. Whether it's a business plan, as we discussed before, like that doesn't matter. I've already seen that. Didn't matter with the board, isn't mattering with the accountants, probably won't matter with the lawyers. I know Mr. Pena has outlaid for me how to make sure you don't need a business plan to get money from the banks, right? So that's not the game of the game of like a business plan, but it's just have your vision be fucking big. That's really what it comes down to is have a huge vision. Don't try to consolidate one or two. Uh, don't try to start a $5 million a year revenue company. Try to start a $500 million a year revenue company, you know? And when you have that huge ambition, people want to buy in because they're like, damn, the, the upside is just way better than the downside. You know, so it makes it a clear decision for them to say, but you have to be able to sell it and believe in it and not just like, it's not lipstick. It's not lipstick on a pig. It's the real thing. Like I intend to build a billion dollar company. This is how we're going to do it. You know, like this isn't rhetoric. So it needs to make sure that it goes beyond the rhetoric. I would say that's the last thing for getting any of these individuals to buy into you on a success fee basis or to, to join your team before you've proven yourself. That's really what it comes down to, right? I mean, that's it. So that's how you recruit accounting firms. Get a big fucking list, call all the secretaries, talk to partners that uh, that are in your industry and, and, and sell the fucking dream. Not in like a salesy, used car salesman-like way, but just in a passionate, this is what we're doing, take it or leave it. We'd love to discuss further if you're interested kind of a way. And be real straightforward about the success fee basis. On that first call, it's a-okay to say, hey, look, for the record, we'll most likely be going with a firm that can do the due diligence on our first acquisition on a success fee basis. And by the way, throw in this in this as well. You know, similar to how you probably have built private equity firms and startups in the past, we will, like they've operated probably under your umbrella, be looking for you to do the due, due diligence on our first acquisition on a success fee basis. What that does essentially is you're saying, hey, look, I know that accounting firms do due diligence work and do accounting work for private equity firms and for startups on a success fee basis. Don't try to tell me that you've never even heard of anyone doing business on a success fee basis. You know what I'm saying? So it's basically saying, look, don't give me the bullshit. I've been around the block. Okay. You don't have to say it like this. Again, you put on your business, you know, 
you wear your tie and you, you button up and you speak like a professional. But, you know, so it would be, with due respect, I understand that you have indeed, uh, most likely, or other accounting firms you're competing with do business with accounting, or excuse me, they do business with private equity firms and they do business with startups on a success fee basis, right? We know that that's a fairly common practice in the startup and private equity world. And so therefore, similar to how your firm or other firms that you're competing with would be open to a success fee basis with an exciting you know, opportunity, we will be looking for you to do our initial due diligence work on a success fee basis. And then you can go into details. We're likely talking about a $1 million acquisition. You know, and if they ask all the specifics that you can't answer, it's always okay as well. If they say, well, is it just the tax workers, the due diligence, or you know, what, what's the structure of your company, or all these technical questions, you, you can say, hey, look, I appreciate the question. Let me speak with the brains behind, you know, let me speak with the technical brains behind, behind myself, right? And, and again, there's nothing wrong. I've been talking about this a lot now. There's nothing wrong with telling these people what you don't know. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, if you have a vision and you're a leader and you're like a motherfucker, we're going to take over the, the kingdom, you know, that, that kind of mentality, that like that energy that I'm trying to communicate in these videos for you guys, like you have to believe in yourself, you know, use the confidence building sequence, like, like just practice, commit, do more homework about your industry and about the opportunity and like know the game, like the bigger picture better than anyone else. So you can just have that belief that you're going to win. But when you have that belief that you're going to win, you don't have to know the technicalities. Like think of the greatest CEOs. Like I guarantee you Steve Jobs wasn't a 404 master accountant. Do you really think Steve Jobs had to worry when they're like, well, are you thinking about using line itemization? Are you thinking about using that? Steve Jobs is like, tell me what I need to know so I can make the decision. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with not knowing the details. Don't get embarrassed that you don't know the details. You know, just believe in yourself and go forth, all right? So I hope that's, dude, I mean, we're 35 minutes deep. I'm pretty sure I've said everything I wanted to say here. Uh, if you got questions, leave me in the comments. I'll try to get after you. If you like the video, if it's been valuable, and dude, I mean, this stuff is working. So this is a value if you use it. Help me keep helping you. Thumbs the video up if you'd like. And if you want more videos like this, I'm gonna create a QLA playlist by the time you see this, it's likely going to be in a playlist. So you can go through these videos one by one if you want. And uh, be sure to subscribe so that you get the new videos. I'm going to keep documenting this every week or two. Every time I have an update, I'm, I'm letting you guys know. You know, this is what I'm doing. This is what's working. And uh, for the candor as well, I, the two accounting firms I'm speaking with right now are Moss Adams. And what's the other one? Nocratic or Nocravic, I believe is the other. They're both like top 30 uh, national firms in the world. I think they're like top 30 in the world. Certainly they're national firms in the US. And so what I'm really getting at is, look, that was in five days. I was able to get partners from each of those respective firms. Basically, I know if I pick up the phone and say, hey, look, you got 24 hours to say you're in or you're out. Click. I would bet I could pull that off. But I want to do my due diligence. I'm going to be reaching out more to the big four firms now that I really understand the accounting game and get them competing as well. You know, so I'm not, as opposed to just like, look, the Dan Pena, honestly, he, he just wants you to do the deal. Like he would like it if I just picked up the phone and said, yes or no, you know, that is his way. For me, I'm appreciating the process of learning each of the steps in that I'm not just trying to do a deal, I'm trying to build a billion dollar business. So it's one of those where I'm laying the foundation really well, where look, I wanna have a great relationship with our accountants. In the same way, I have a great relationship thus far with my board. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it really is about in my estimation, building something that's going to stand the test of time. And that's not quite the, the QLA model. QLA is a little bit more of a gunslinger thing where it's like acquire, 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 sell, repeat. For me, I'm trying to build a bit more of a legacy business in that I want to build a billion dollar business with my first QLA, uh, you know, the first time using QLA. 
which is not exactly what Dan Pena recommends. But then again, you uh, you can't follow somebody 100% of the time always. You have to be able to be a leader and make your own decisions in life. And so that's why I'm, I'm taking a little longer in the board selection as well as in the accounting and then the law firm selection and the bank selection in, in who we're going to be doing business with because I'm trying to build long-term relationships that I can leverage far into the future. You see what I'm saying? So anyways, just a little bit of insight. But if you've liked this series, if you want to see more, subscribe. Uh, like the video if you've liked it, man. I appreciate the the time. Share your comments below what you want to hear or see or any questions, blah, 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 you know what to do. And uh, dude, I'll see you in the next video. Peace.